Blog Talk Radio. Welcome in to the Don't Teaser Me Bro podcast with your host, Jeff Nadu, the big man on campus. This college basketball guru, brash and unfiltered, he's got you covered in much more than sports, including music, movies, and the mob. Live guests, top-notch breakdowns, and as always, taking your phone calls. Live from the city of brotherly love, here's the big man on campus, Jeff Nadu. Hey, 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 what's up, everybody? Welcome in to another edition of the Don't Teaser Me Bro Sports Betting Podcast. I'm your host, the big man on campus, a.k.a. Jeff Nadu. Hope you're having a great day. Hope you had a great weekend. The Super Bowl is set. Start looking at that tonight. Chiefs and Niners will recap the weekend that was in the NFL. Get you ready for some weak uh, college basketball. And we'll chat some hockey as well. Ian Cameron is going to join us in just a minute. want to first say uh, happy Martin Luther King Day to everybody out there. Um, a work day for many that you probably had to go to work. I know some you know, employees of the federal system and that kind of thing. I believe you had the day off. But um, it's important that we obviously remember uh, why we are celebrating uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Obviously, we know that the civil rights pioneer that he was, uh, the kind of ability he had to use nonviolence and to, to shape the black community and get them out of the um, segregation and all that sort of thing. Um, and he was a true American hero, so it's great that the country recognizes Martin Luther King, um, a great uh, hero and uh, pioneer for all of us, um, white, black, whatever. Uh, just someone we should remember as a country, and uh, it's nice that he has a holiday for him. He deserves it for sure. Uh, we got a big show for you planned tonight. We got, uh, as I said, we'll talk some Super Bowl, get you ready. It's still so early. I mean, we have about two weeks till the big game. Uh, it's mostly college basketball tonight, uh, getting you ready for the week. Um, I have some things to kind of um, rant about and rave about. And we'll also talk hockey with our guest tonight, Ian Cameron, who is a great hockey guy. Let's bring him in. Uh, our regular Monday guest, we weren't here last week because of the uh, national title game, but we're back this week. Ian, how you doing? Hey, uh, Jeff, good to be with you on a uh, Monday night. It's funny that this is the first official uh, big Monday, I guess, for the ESPN networks, uh, which is always the first Monday after the uh, national championship game in college football. I don't know how big it is, though. We've had a blowout game with Texas-West Virginia. We've had a complete snore fest and complete bore with NC State and Virginia. If this is big Monday, it seems pretty small to me. This has uh, not been a classic, crisp basketball by any stretch tonight. Yeah, you know, it's um, it's kind of a weird card. I mean, you had some day games, you know, your your NEC games and uh, stuff like that. I mean, we've got a couple games as far as you know, big time conference games, but I mean, as you said, I mean, the games have been pretty poor. Obviously, you know, watching Virginia is like watching paint dry. And I'll tell you right now, I mean, I um I did some research today on their offense. You know, Ian, they're on pace to be the worst offense uh, since 2011 in the ACC. This is a historically bad group, and we'll get into them in just a little bit. But, yeah, that game, obviously, they lose. I'm not really sure why. They were five-and-a-half, six-point favorites to anybody. They can't score enough points. Um, you had West Virginia, who, look, I got to tell you, that was a – I had them in the first half tonight. I really liked the spot. But I got to tell you, I banged on them in the second half as well. Texas, I, I think it was pretty clear early that they were shell-shocked. They weren't there mind-wise didn't seem like they're ready to play. And, you know, when I saw um, Jericho Sims get that third foul in the, the first half, I basically felt like it was going to be a big-time bench game for that group. Shaka Smarty, and as we get into the show here, I mean, that's the kind of game that gets you fired. It, it, you know what? The hot seat was pretty much uh, firmly uh, planted to his ass before tonight. Uh, could you imagine it now after what we've seen uh, in that game against West Virginia? Uh, just absolutely awful. I mean, you're right. Mind, body, and spirit. Those three things appear to be completely disconnected 
uh, from every player wearing burnt orange tonight in that game. It was a dreadful performance. It was signs of quit written all over that team, uh, especially once we got into the second half. And it's a combo of things. It's obviously the, the, just the pain of losing that game to Kansas on Saturday. I mean, they played. They actually gave a pretty solid effort in that game. They let it slip uh, down the stretch, had a really poor last 10 minutes of the second half, uh, and they let that game get away. And then you're asking for them to go on the road in a tough turnaround spot. And let's be honest, uh, Huggy Bears team was PO'd. I mean, they had one of their worst games of the season Saturday against Kansas State. If anybody saw that game, didn't resemble West Virginia at all. They shot terribly. They played horrendous defense, which we're just not used to seeing. I mean, we're, that's Kansas State for crying out loud, you know, going to the 80s against that West Virginia team that has been so good defensively all season. You'd figure you'd get an adequate response from West Virginia after that game, and you combine that with Texas just absolutely catatonic after uh, the loss to Kansas on Saturday, and really it was the perfect recipe for uh, uh, West Virginia, but nevertheless, I mean, it's one thing to lose. It's one thing to lose the way Texas did. That's not a good sign. The alarm bells have to sign, and, and Shaka Smart certainly uh, on the hot seat, and I said on Twitter earlier, there's three guys I'm glad I'm not over the last 24 hours. Mike Pettin, uh, of the Green Bay Packers defensive coordinator, Shaka Smart, Texas Longhorns basketball head coach, and James Harden, who shot, what, one for 17 from three in a struggling Rockets team in the NBA. Those three, game, those three guys have not had an enjoyable 24 hours with the performances uh, they've had the last, uh, uh, last day or so. Yeah, Texas loses by 39 tonight. Uh, yeah, and you, you kind of mentioned it. That was kind of one of my angles. I felt like tonight – it was just a real bad spot for Texas. You got to travel after losing the way they did. Huggins seemed to be a little pissed off the other night uh, with that defensive performance. And I got to tell you, I just don't think Texas is very good. Um, when you then this is something when you're looking at games, if you're looking at something and you're seeing a lot of three point attempts and they don't make those three point attempts, basically what that means is you have a lazy offense. You have an offense that isn't real creative. They don't really get into plays. They just basically screw around on the perimeter and jack threes. That's really what Texas is right now. Um, there's really no accountability with the guard play. Their guards are good, not great. Um, and outside of Jericho Sims, you have very little. This is the worst Texas team I've seen in a long time. Um, and a lot of it has to do with Shaka Smart's inability to recruit uh, this year. Um, if you want to call the show, you can. 515-605-9349 if you have any questions or you just want to talk about something, feel free to give us a call. Um, right now, currently, the Baylor Bears are up 30, uh, what was it, 35-24 at the half against Oklahoma. Oklahoma's hung around, but it was kind of uh, towards the end of the first half where um, Baylor kind of pulled away and got that double-digit lead. Grambling and Texas Southern, good game down in the SWAC. They're tied at 29. And there was a postponement, I believe, Gardner-Webb and Hampton. That game has been rescheduled due to a clock malfunction. But, Ian, I want to ask, before we get into the uh, college hoops, and I want to talk about Baylor and some other things, I really want to touch on quickly this um, sad scene down in uh, Maryland with uh, Delonte West. Um, you know, I, this particularly hits home for me because, I mean, I grew – Delonte West and Jameer Nelson were kind of my childhood. I remember growing up in this area and, you know, watching Phil Martelli's group and, and those guys, you know, go to the elite eight um, and, and, and some of the, the things that they did in some of the years. And, you know, seeing that is uh, pretty, pretty sad to be real honest with you. I mean, I get that the NBA is not, you know, they're not somebody that just has to care for you your entire life. I, I don't expect that, but, you know, and obviously I think Deontay has to Deontay has to remember that um you know, and again he's I think mentally having some problems, but he's gotta go get some help. He's gotta take his medication. Um I think he feels like it's embarrassing and he doesn't want to admit that he has um, you know, some some psychological problems. He needs to get them fixed. It's sad to see what's going on with Delonte West. Obviously, um, you know, I don't know the situation. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't act like I do, but it's sad to see. I mean, you, Ian, you and I are kind of similar ages. Yeah, I remember, you know, many years, you know, Delonte West having so many great years in the NBA making, you know, a lot of money. Um, but I think people have to remember, you know, money's not everything. It doesn't last forever. Um, you have high end lifestyles and, and before you know it, I mean, Delonte West hasn't played competitive basketball and made money really, 
since, you know, the 2013-ish range. I mean, we're into 2020. He hasn't played competitive basketball in six or seven, eight years. Um, definitely sad to see. I mean, I obviously understand that you can't always do what you did when you were in the NBA, but, I mean, panhandling, you know, obviously looks homeless at this point. A sad scene uh, to see that. Yeah, I mean, I just got saw it for the first time just an hour or so ago. Uh, the uh, incident that he was handcuffed to uh, looked like a, on the sidewalk there, and it looked like someone had physically assaulted him. It's a disturbing scene because you still think of the memories of him playing for with LeBron James years ago with the Cleveland Cavaliers yeah. in the early uh, part of this uh, not this decade, last decade. We've got to call it last decade now, 2010 to 2019, and he's playing with the Cavs. He played for the Mavericks a little bit, I remember as well, and. You know, to see him, you know, having fallen down to this degree, it's startling, uh, to put it mildly. And it's, a, it's definitely sad. And you, you hope that someone can reach out for him. I think I saw a tweet from Kobe Bryant saying he's going to try to do something to re at least reach out to Delonte West, try to help him with uh, whatever he's going through. Obviously, he's fallen on financial hard times. That's clearly the case uh, you, when you see him there uh, sitting there on the sidewalk handcuffed and, you know, he's all, you know, just disheveled looking, you know, it looks like he hasn't shaved in a long, long time. It's never a good sign when you, when you look like you're skinnier than me, not to put light on it, but you know, he looks like he's going through an absolutely awful time right now. Uh, and he needs to, you know, probably get rehab. He's probably got to talk to a therapist or a psychiatrist of some kind, try to get back on his feet. And I know there's some former players around the NBA that have uh, been vocal on Twitter, talking about trying to reach out and help him. And that's probably something he needs at this point in time. So we're just absolutely hoping for the best for him. Hopefully he can get back on his feet. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, obviously I think I, I've seen some things at Delonte West. He definitely has, I, I believe he's bipolar. He's got some, some, some medical issues, but he, he needs to obviously hopefully take some help and uh, admit, you know, I think, I think for a lot of people, the, the clearest thing is admitting you have a problem. So whether you, you know, are a drug addict or, or maybe you eat too much or, or you're a sex addict, you have to admit that you have an issue. And it, it, again, I don't know his situation. It seems to me though, that Dante doesn't want to, you know, cause again, here, here's my thing Ian. like, I feel like I'm sure there are people out there that are willing to help Delonte. I think he's got to got to take some of the help, and and I hope this and, and I hope this is a lesson to the NBA. They need to do more. And you know, again, I don't expect them to. I mean, you look at guys in the army. I mean, guys go get their arms blown off, and they got to deal with it themselves when they come back. We don't do enough with with taking care of, of former employees or former people that give time to something. And again, I don't expect a company to, to, to give you money until you die, but there needs to be some sort of outreach for, for Delonte West to be at this level. Uh, truly, I think kind of embarrassing for the NBA. Um, they need to do something about it. And I'm sure they will, but uh, yeah. Ian, let's get to some, uh, let's get to some nicer things here. Obviously we don't want to talk about mental health. I mean, as, as big of a problem as it is, we, do want to talk about some good things here. Um, I want to quickly, before we get into college, uh, yesterday with the NFL, um, you talk about poor games, uh, two really bad football games. I mean, I I was a little irritated. I did have the Titans the other yesterday, and I, I felt like for me, you know, I just like the matchup. But, you know, are you starting to feel again that this Kansas City Chiefs team, they're starting to remind you a little bit of, of LSU, aren't they? They just seem like destined, right? Yeah, LSU seemed like a team of destiny or a team that was just, you know, it was just such a special season uh, that it, it seemed like the national championship was inevitable. Like they just not not cruised through the season, but they they rolled through every comer that was in their way. You know, when you think of LSU and the fact they beat Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Oklahoma, so many good quality teams to get to a national title this year. Of course, Clemson to win it. Uh, it goes without saying that it just seemed like they weren't going to be stopped and. Maybe that's the case now with Kansas City as well. I will say this, though. There was a time this year that Chiefs looked vulnerable. Remember, they were going through injuries. They had a swoon midway through the season, but they got healthy. Uh, they got their offensive line healthy. Remember, Eric Fisher was out for a long period of time. Patrick Mahomes missed a couple games. Matt Moore had to step in at quarterback. The defense was banged up a little bit. Well, now they're about as fully healthy as can be, and they got Chris Jones back, which made, I thought, all the difference in the world from a pass rush standpoint. That pass rush was so much more 
uh, lethal, I think, with him uh, along the D-line yesterday than it was against Houston, and it's because he was back, uh, and Patrick Mahomes was just outstanding. I mean, the plays he made, the plays he can make in the bootleg stance, rolling out from the pocket, throwing on the run, and throwing not only a strong arm when he's throwing on the run away from the flow of play, but accurate ball. The, the throw to Sammy Watkins to put the game essentially on ice you know, I still marvel at just the ability and the, the talent that it takes to make that play. The run shows, I think, toughness more than anything. He could have stepped out of bounds, but he tiptoed along the sideline, albeit helped out by some pretty shoddy, porous Tennessee tackling. But nevertheless, it was a great effort by Patrick Mahomes on a touchdown run. He was great, you know. And once again, if when Kansas City wins and they cover, he usually plays great, and he was great once again. But I think we need to talk, Jeff, about the Steve Spagnuolo defense, okay? This defense isn't the Civ group they were last year a group that was so bad on defense they relieved Bob Sutton of his job as the defensive coordinator they handed him his walking papers they brought in Steve Spagnuolo who's an aggressive minded DC who doesn't mind bringing extra blitzers from the uh, linebackers and safeties you know to, to get pressure on the quarterback and unfortunately for Tennessee we have to commend the job the Chiefs did on Derrick Henry in that football game. Derrick Henry was shut down, you know, 50 yards rushing uh, in the football game around, around that uh, number. Uh, great job stopping him. And again, when Tennessee got behind in the fourth quarter, that eliminated the options to run the football with Derrick Henry. That meant T- Ryan Tannehill for the first time in weeks, we were going to see if he could lead a team back solely through the passing game and he couldn't do it. The Kansas City Chiefs defense was able to tee off with the pass rush because there was no threat of running the football when you're down double digits in the fourth quarter uh, and that's what allowed the Chiefs to uh, take control of that football game. Uh, uh, they you know, they were the better team in the second half, no question, uh, and congratulations to them. Uh, do, we do have to acknowledge the season Tennessee had. You know, they, they, they did a great job to get to the AFC Championship game. Their fortunes changed when they made the quarterback change. Uh, Mike Vrabel did a really good job. It'll be interesting to see where they go from here, but certainly felt like Kansas City's time. They wanted to make amends for losing in the AFC title game to New England last year. They didn't want to go through that again, losing a second straight year uh, in the AFC title game at Arrowhead Stadium. And uh, they got the job done, and they were full marks for the win. Yeah, Tennessee did a nice job, nice season. Uh, Dean Pease was bad yesterday, though. He didn't seem to have any answer for uh, Mahomes, but it doesn't seem like very many people do. Um, I thought, um, you're right, I thought Spagnola's group did a great job. Uh, and that's going to be obviously another thing they're going to have to do. This next test is going to be uh, difficult as well against a very good run offense for the San Francisco Niners. So um, I don't know if, you know, you don't have to spend a ton of time on this game. It's ugly performance from Green Bay. But this is what Green Bay does. They're not a good road team. They never have been. Aaron Rodgers has never been a good road quarterback. I talked about his road numbers, Ian, uh, the other night on the show um, and, and how poor they've been. I mean, it, it's – it's kind of crazy. I mean, as far as in his career on the road and, and, and at home, you, you look at, I mean, 45 and 47 in his career on the road, 71, 18 and one at home. Um, you know, his touchdown numbers are, are much lower. His yards per attempt are much lower. Um, it, it's, it's, it's a concern, but um, Ian, uh, San Francisco case or KC is going to be a fun game. A lot of money already coming in on the over. Uh, which, uh, from what I've heard, certain bookmakers, they haven't had an under ticket yet. Um, you got to wonder, though, are both defenses maybe a little undervalued here? We know San Francisco's defense is good. Maybe KC's is as well with the ability they had to stop the run yesterday. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's going to be a great Super Bowl. I mean, for, 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 for the Green Bay Packers, I mean, it's it, yesterday it was the same script that we saw in the regular season meeting against San Francisco, where it was all about domination in the trenches, period. You know, just end the analysis right there, you can. The game was won in the trenches. The first time San Fran just annihilated and eviscerated Green Bay, and San Francisco once again dominated in the trenches yesterday. Both sides of the football. You see that first half on defense for San Francisco. Aaron Rodgers had no time to throw the ball. He fumbled twice. The pass rush was just too too strong, too good uh, for Green Bay's offensive line to handle. Not enough blockers to deal with Quan Alexander, to deal with D. Ford, to deal with Nick Bosa. That is a that is a strong pass rush, Jeff. When they're all fully healthy and, and on the field uh, at the same time, and we've uh, we've seen evidence of that now two weeks in a row against the Vikings and the Packers, uh, and their pressure just uh, just swarmed Aaron Rodgers all over the field throughout that game. And then on the flip side, 
you're, it's an indictment on the entire defense. It's an entire indictment on the defensive coordinator, the scheme, the execution, everything. When you're a defense, you know what's coming. You know it's coming over and over and over again, like someone's rewinding the tape in the recorder, and you still can't stop it. And it was this, it was all day long for the Green Bay Packer defense. The run game just absolutely crushed them. And I was worried about them from a run defense standpoint going into that game, but never – it never could I have imagined that San Francisco would basically run the football every play because it would be working so successfully, but they, they stuck with it because it kept working, and Shanahan said it after the game. Why would we throw the football when we're running the football and we're just carving out, gaping holes you know, down the field, open running lanes for Raheem Mostert you know, for the entire game? That's an embarrassment for the Green Bay Packers defense. I know their run defense was suspect all season long, but when the other team doesn't even have to throw the football, when Jimmy Garoppolo has less than double figures in pass attempts for the entire football game because all they had to do was run it and run it and run it some more and carve out these 20, 30-yard gains you know, several times throughout the game, that is a horrendous job. Top to bottom, by every player on that Packer defense, by Mike Pettin, the defensive coordinator, that it's one thing for your defense to get shredded but usually it's a good, healthy run-pass balance, Jeff, that's going to shred you, not exclusively one or the other. And it was all the run game. It was, I think Troy Aikman, i got to give him credit. I know he's a guy that some people like, some people don't like. He said something along the lines during the broadcast of, this is an insult to Green Bay's manhood, what San Francisco is doing to them. I agree. It made them look soft. It made them look weak. The 49ers just bowling them over like bowling, like bowling pins just falling over and bowling balls just running through them throughout that football game. That's essentially what the running backs for San Francisco were. They were the bowling balls. The Green Bay defenders were the bowling pins getting knocked down. Uh, it was just a complete and utter domination in the trenches on both sides of the ball. And this 49ers team is going to be a uh, hell of a handful to deal with in a couple of weeks. Yeah, you're right about that. Uh, you look at yesterday, six for eight for Garoppolo. Only one, only two receivers had a reception for the San Francisco 49ers. They didn't need to. The run was too good. But we'll talk about, obviously, the Super Bowl as we get closer and closer. We still have plenty of time. Uh, if you want to join the show, you can. Give us a call, 515-605-9349. Before we get to college basketball, let's, uh, Ian, take a quick little break here. We'll hear a commercial. We'll come back with you right after this. fresh opinions on sports, sex, culture, food, and more? Well, it's time for you to go check out our friends at PubSearchRadio.com. From podcasts to blogs to live content and radio, live in the heart of San Antonio, PubSearch Radio provides plenty. They have terrific soccer, UFC, and niche topics, too. Leave it to me. Leave it to my opinion. The Big Men on Campus. I co-sign PubSearchRadio.com. And you can also check out people like me, Dottie Wrightside, Ski Profit, and more. Check out the newest in opinions in all the blog culture, PubsforTradio.com. Ian Cameron, who sings that song right there? I've asked you before, do you know? Uh, the beat is uh, barely recognizable, actually, so I, I w- I'd be stumped on this one. You're always stumped. Pretty Ricky. Oh, Pretty, Pretty Ricky. Ricky. No, Ricky. I wouldn't have guessed that. See, Pretty Ricky was never one of my favorites. Yeah, it was all right, but uh, there were other uh, artists from it. Grind With Me? They had a song called Grind With Me. I loved that song back in the day. I, I don't know why. Uh, maybe it was because I was when it came out. I, I think it was like I was like fourteen or fifteen, and I think uh, you know it's kind of when I was like really horny as like a kid. So I was like, <laughs> I don't know. I guess at, like the school dances, you like always were trying to really grind on broads, you know. But uh, we are back. 
we got um, plenty of college hoops to talk about. And, you know, Ian, I talked to a Baylor earlier, and, and keep in mind the Baylor Bears are, are playing well tonight. Oklahoma hanging around, though. You know, it's been within double digits pretty much the entire game. We'll see if the Sooners can make a run. But, you know, Ian, I was surprised to see Baylor leap Gonzaga today. I thought that was a little odd. I mean, you know, Gonzaga absolutely dethroned Brigham Young over the weekend. And, you know, I don't think ba- – I didn't think Baylor played particularly well against a pretty bad Oklahoma State group. Why did they leap Gonzaga? Are you, were you surprised by that? I was pretty surprised by that. I, I, I was a little too. I mean, I, I, I'm not sure Baylor – Baylor's had a great season, uh, no question. I mean, their defensive numbers are among the best in the country, uh, without a doubt. Uh, they've played great at that end of the floor. I've always been a Scott Drew detractor. I've never been fully sold on a lot of Baylor teams with him at the at coaching helm. But, you know, still overall, like he's had some really good years with this Baylor group. Maybe I'm a little harsh on the guy, but uh, he's done a great job this year. Uh, the team has been very good at the defensive end of the court. I've been impressed uh, with their, their play there. Uh, you see with their Gonzaga, though, to me, they look like they're, they're a little bit better offensively than Baylor. I think they get penalized Jeff let's be honest let's call it for what it is to get penalized for being in the West Coast Conference Baylor's in the Big 12 Baylor's in a Power 5 Conference and they're probably going to give that team the benefit of the doubt when it comes to the rankings like that it's actually why I took a little piece of Oklahoma not a strong bet because Oklahoma has been so up and down at times but Oklahoma coming off one of their better games of the season uh, over the weekend now playing this Baylor team and Baylor that dreaded you know moving on up to the number one ranking in the AP poll that's usually a good time to bet against a team. We've seen this happen over and over again. That team gets that number one ranking, and then that first game, you know, when they after that number one ranking uh, gets uh, awarded to them, uh, they end up spitting the bit. They end up losing the game. Uh, I don't know if they'll lose to Oklahoma, but I thought at least Oklahoma plus 11 could hang around in this game. They're down six with 13 minutes to go, so they're hanging in there right now. Uh, but again, Oklahoma having a tough time finding offense, but every team's – they found it difficult scoring against Baylor. To me, I think Gonzaga Jeff's the more talented team slightly than Baylor for sure. I'll give Baylor all the credit for the way they've played, but I still think Gonzaga, talent-wise, roster-wise, and coaching-wise, uh, to be honest, is a little bit better than Baylor. They personally would have, I personally would have kept them at number one, but I think it's, again, West Coast Conference team versus Big 12 team. I, I don't know how else to say it. I think it's as simple as that. They're going to give Baylor the benefit of the doubt in that type of scenario, but I don't think it's warranted from a talent perspective. You know, I've I try to you know most of the time be pretty on point with what I say with college basketball, and generally I feel like it comes in a lot of the time. I, I'll tell you right now, Ian Baylor seems to me like a team that won't make the Sweet Sixteen. I have a I I just don't know what it is about this team. I don't love them. I, I don't. I mean, I know they have a lot of great wins, and you know they've been terrific, but. I don't love them offensively. I, I mean, they're, they're good, and, and they're going to be a top-five team right now. But i I got to tell you, I, I like what I've seen out of West Virginia. Uh, I like, what I, you know, obviously what I've seen out of Kansas. I think when it's all said and done, I think we're going to look back at Baylor and say, you know what, Scott Drew was Scott Drew. Um, I don't know, <laughs> something about this team, something about this team doesn't, doesn't jive well for me. I, they're a terrific rebounding team. They They do a lot of really good things, but – I guess they still need to see more from them. And, and, you know, I think over the next couple of weeks we'll continue to see it, but you can't knock the wins. I mean, you've beaten Villanova, Arizona, Butler. Uh, you know, I think the big win for me was what they did to Kansas in Kansas. Yeah, because I look at their wins, you know, with the Villanova. You know, Villanova isn't what they used to be. Uh, Arizona, I think, has some concerns. Butler, I think, on the road has some problems. I I, I I wonder about Baylor. I, I really do. And we'll see if they can find a way here tonight. I mean, Oklahoma is not um, going away easily. Uh, let's hopefully the not. Phone line. Well, hopefully Lon Kruger. Yeah. I was going to say, hopefully not. Hopefully Lon Kruger's got these guys hanging in there, at least if they're down to three-point lead now with 13 minutes to go. So uh, Oklahoma making a bit of a run. But you're right. That I get the feeling that Baylor, when they come up against a team that can match them defensively, you know, where are they going to be able to go consistently uh, for offense? 
you know, this team that because sometimes that's going to be their one Achilles heel and their one concern when you look at their their ability to score in crunch time in a close game. You know, I like some of their players. I like the way Jared Butler and Freddie Gillespie, Freddie Gillespie, the senior, has been great for them. Uh, Bandu uh, as well uh, has been great uh, providing uh, big minutes for them. But are they going to be able to hit those big-time shots late in games, close games, good defensively? When you play teams that are good defensively, that can play that way the way you do, they're not an offensively gifted team. I think there's something to that point you just made about them. And when it comes to March, hey, we've seen where the teams have success, the teams that sometimes can go on a run. you got to get hot from three. You've eventually got to make some shots. You can't be a team in, in March in the NCAA tournament that rests solely on the defensive end of the basketball court. you got to be able to make some shots. I know Virginia was your national champion last year, but that was a much better offensive team, Virginia, than they had going into that season, and obviously a much better offensive team than the Virginia team we're seeing this season with Guy and Jerome and Hunter uh, and all those guys. You've got to be able to make shots at the end of the day, and that's where Baylor's going to get tested. Exactly. You know, you look at Oklahoma, one thing about them that I'll continue to say this team is going to cover numbers this year in the Big 12. You know, they do a lot of things that are really good to see if you're betting on teams. You know, you, you, the, the way you hang around as an underdog in college basketball is, as Ian said, you make shots. You know, can you make threes? Can you make free throws? And that's one thing they do at a high level. They're very good at the free throw line. They don't turn a ball over. They can defend without fouling. They're, that's one thing about line that I always respect. You know, they, they play you know, really fundamental. That's one of the two of the most underrated coaches in the country to me are Lon Kruger and Mike Bray at Notre Dame. I mean, they've done great jobs. They don't always get the best players. You know, they're always getting like the good kids. They're not getting the great kids, but you know, I got to tell you over the years, I mean, he's done a really good job of, of teaching kids how to play fundamentally the right way. And you look at Oklahoma this year, 12 and five, they're hanging around with Baylor right now. This team's played one of the toughest schedules in the country, 12th in the country in, in overall strength of schedule, according to Ken Palm. I mean, they don't have much of a bench. Um, they got riddled last year at graduation. They lose, lost a ton of kids. And, you know, I got to be honest, they've been really impressive to me. I, I don't count them out either. Uh, this team can find a way. They're they're 12 and 5, guys. So keep your eye on Oklahoma. Let's hit the phone lines. we got some people waiting here. Um who do we got here? Cameron. Go ahead. Hey, what's up, big man? Uh, I agree with everything that y'all just said. I don't believe Baylor is a national championship team. I think defensively they're strong on the ball, but I am worried about their offense. And I'm watching this game here with Oklahoma, and Oklahoma's finding a way to to stick in. And Oklahoma's not a team I've looked at a lot this year, but after what you just said and after watching this game, they've really impressed the way they're keeping up with this Baylor team that's a lot longer than them and bigger than them. But what I wanted to talk about tonight is, Virginia Tech, well, not Virginia Tech, Virginia, oh, my gosh, how bad are they offensively? NC State had two of its leading scorers out with injury. You have Manny Bates out, and, and you lose, and the rest were helping Virginia, too. Like, Virginia is such a disappointment to me. I was high on them to start the season. I didn't think they were a national championship team. I thought they were one of the best teams in the ACC. But it, it's, what a disappointment for Virginia. And I know that the year after winning the national championship, but it's really unreal how bad offensively they are. They may they're one of the most offensive teams in the ACC. I don't see in the, I don't see them being a top four ACC team in the regular season to finish. I think State could very well be that top the last four team in the ACC. But I did not see Virginia being a top four ACC team finishing this year. What do you, what do y'all think? I mean, I think I think the Virginia yeah. thing is kind of I mean. If you look at this roster, I mean, th there's not a lot of good offensive players on this roster, and I, I don't, I'm not really sure where people thought that they would be good offensively. I mean, you know, Diakite is a nice player, but he's not DeAndre Hunter. I mean, Kahi Clark had some good flashes last year, but he's turnover prone and undersized and going to struggle. You know, Braxton Key, I mean, you know, he's had injuries off and on the entire season. You know, Marshall doesn't. Marshall's been horrific. He doesn't give you anything. Walden Tosse, he hasn't given them anything. Statman hasn't given them anything. Look, I mean, when Kyle Guy decided to go to the NBA, that was kind of a tough spot for them. He should have came back. He didn't. Um, and, and, you know, you look at this team. I mean, listen, I'll continue to rail on the fucking NTA for this ridiculous transfer rule crap. Sam Hauser should be playing. I mean, it, it's bullshit that you allow certain players to get in and become transfer eligible, yet others can't be transfer eligible. It's fucking stupid. There needs to be a uniform, relative rule that everybody follows. 
Um, I think if they had him, um, this team could be different. He really would give them a great outside shooting aspect, Sam Hauser, and you know something they don't have. But it doesn't surprise me. I mean, they stay in games because they defend. And you look at tonight. Um, you know, I know what you mentioned. I mean, Andre and, and Bates were both out, but you know, this team's going to stay in games because they can defend. Um, but yeah, as I said at the beginning of the show, this isn't a historically bad uh, deep offense. I mean, they they don't do anything well. I mean, there's nothing on this, you know, nothing on these offensive ledgers that that give you any confidence in them. And you know, I'm not Ian. As I said, I'm not at all surprised by it. I mean, th- there's just not a lot of scores on this team, Ian. No, and they put Jay Huff in that mix. That guy can't hit anything. He had a wide open three in the final minute of that game. Couldn't make it. I mean, there's it's everybody on this team. Uh, Diakite is, you know, he's more of a, a big uh, presence in terms of defensively. Offensively, it's hit or miss. Braxton Key's just come back, and he's been hit or miss as well, shooting the ball. You mentioned Kia Clark. He's a little bit undersized. That's a detriment to him. There's just not a lot. And Casey Morsell's supposed to be a guy that can shoot for them, and his percentages are not where they should be and not where they want to be, and they're stagnant too. I mean, I don't think the ball movement, player movement, I don't think they're, they run the greatest sets in the world. I mean, they're playing great defense still, but their offensive efficiency in the country right now is 271, you know, 271st in the country in offensive efficiency. You know, that's not going to cut it. That, that's a horrible ranking to have. Uh, and, and it's 345th in the country shooting the three ball, and yet they still try to take a ton of three-pointers, which makes no sense to me. So Virginia is a team that is just abs- almost broken, it looks like, offensively, and I know Bennett's got to be frustrated because they're still defending at a really high level, but they can't pay it off by making any baskets when it counts, and that's why they've been losing so many games. I thought the Georgia Tech win on the road over the weekend might be a turnaround, maybe a sign that this team might be going on a run and getting – getting their act together and then it's a big step backward tonight losing at home against I think it's been an up and down NC State team so yeah to me Virginia's looking more and more like a team that's uh, you know going to be a, a, a team that's going to probably be an early exit team in the NCAA tournament at this point yeah I agree with everything that y'all just said and uh, one thing that y'all mentioned earlier about Gonzaga Listen, I don't think Gonzaga is ever going to get respect from the AP or anybody until they can move to a Power 5 conference or can win the national championship. And it doesn't matter how good they are. That's, I mean, I believe they're the best offensive team in the country right now, but it's just that that's how it goes for Gonzaga. That is complete. That is completely moronic. That, And I'm not saying you're moronic. I'm saying that the thought, and if people are still thinking that way, which I don't think they are. I mean, Gonzaga's been the number one team. They're certain – they've been the number one team every year off and on but i mean they play one of the hardest schedules in america yeah i was gonna say jeff i was just about to say yeah does anybody look at the non-conference schedule gonzaga puts together every season they're not playing the sisters of the poor they're going out and testing themselves so this nonsense with the west coast conference that hey they're playing in a weak conference so that's the conference they're in they're going out playing tough teams in the non-conference they're trying gonzaga every year i know for a fact Mark Few tries to get teams to go to Spokane, to the to the kennel there, and get them to play Gonzaga in their building. And it's damn difficult. It's like pulling teeth trying to get people out to Spokane to play them. But they don't mind going on the road and testing themselves. They've done it year in and year out. The non-conference schedule, they make sure they put some teams that are going to give them a test, that are going to be good, uh, RPI games to the people, to the, to the committee. You know, so I think we've got to... You know, okay, they're in the West Coast Conference, but to say they don't play anybody all season is ludicrous because every year, non-conference schedule-wise, Gonzaga's going out there trying to get good opponents. Yeah, I mean, you look at this year, played Oregon, Michigan, Washington, Arizona, North Carolina. I mean, again, it wasn't their fault that North Carolina sucked this year. I mean, it's not their issue. And keep in mind, I mean, you know, they went to – what was it, the Bahamas and played? I mean, that, that that's, you know, I, I get his point. And, and someone asked that question, uh, when are they going to go to another conference? I, I don't think they're going to go to another conference. They don't need to go to another conference. Um, why would they go to another conference? They get as, as much as they need already with, with what they get in the West Coast Conference. They, they don't get disrespected. I mean, if they win, they're going to be the number one team in the country. It's just that simple. Um uh, I want to just quickly mention this, Ian. This isn't going to go well. And I got to tell you, this is laughable. Uh, LeBron James acknowledged that his routine was broken going to Springfield to see LeBron James Jr. and Tierra Canyon play earlier today. He had no qualms or regrets about it, though, after the Lakers get blown out by the Celtics. Quoted as saying, this right here is all secondary when it comes to family. Then fucking retire, LeBron, uh, uh, honestly. I mean, uh, what is that comment? Seriously. Like, we didn't know that your family was important, LeBron. Thanks. Nobody doesn't know that about you. 
But at the end of the day, dude, you have a fucking job to do. You want to be the, you know, the face of the NBA. You want to go make all these big moves. You want to be the big man. You got to do what you got to do. You have a fucking job to do, dude. If you don't want to do it, retire and go watch him play basketball. I don't understand. What is that comment? This, I have no, he has no regrets or qualms about it. So what is he telling every fan that, you know, Hey, look, if I have a, if my kid is a game today, you're probably not going to get the best performance out of me and we're going to go lose. I mean, what, what kind of comment is that? Is this guy serious? There's kids playing today and that's why they got their ass kicked by 32 by Boston tonight. Is that, that, is that the reason? It isn't your defense. It's, his, it's not. It's not. It can't be your defense that gave up 139 freaking points tonight to the Boston Celtics. That can't be the reason you lost. It's because your kids playing. Please, come on. The hell are we no, talking about his, here? Said his routine was broken. They don't fucking do yeah. it. Like I, I don't understand. Like what are these? It's always excuses with this guy. There's always an excuse. Like either play or don't. Like retire or or don't. Like I don't. I don't. We get it. Your family's important. We know that. No one's saying anything about that. But you have a you have a job as a professional to do. It's like, I mean, I'm not even going to go into. It. It's like a it's a job. You you don't Ian. If if your kid like if you have a kid and like he has something, you can't just take off every day and go to the kids. Yeah, I'm not I'm not handicapping game. the car today. My kid's got a baseball game. I got to watch that. No, no, the clients aren't getting any pay, plays. I'm not doing any of my videos that people expect gotta, me to do that yeah. I'm required to do. I'm not doing it because my kid's playing. I can, no, no way I do that. Do. No way. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, that comment's not going to go over well. Right, let me tell you right yep. now. Um, a couple other things in uh, college hoops here. Um... You know, Ian, I think Seton Hall is the best team in the country. And I, again, don't... Not without Miles Powell, they are. Well, you're saying without Miles Powell, they they are. Wait, say that again? Not without Miles Powell, they are. Oh, sure. You take no, him off I mean... that Seton Hall team. That, and I saw that team without Miles Powell. They looked lost. They looked helpless. They were awful. That's when they went through that rough stretch. Now, no, with no, him listen. back, they can beat anybody. I, I agree with you there. When he's healthy and he's playing the way he has, uh, he that team, you know, and they've showed it. They beat Butler last week. Uh, they went. In, uh, they played a really good game over the weekend as well. Uh, they can beat anybody, and they're playing excellent right now. And I've always been a Kevin Willard guy. You know, he's done There's... a great job with that program. But the fortunes change the minute so if something were to happen to Miles Powell well, big time. I but with him, mean, you're right. Uh, I think they're right know. there. I mean, Ian, you take off, I mean, the leading score on any team, they're going to struggle. But, look, I'm looking at them from the way they defend, the depth that they have. They have the best player in the country. I think Quincy McKnight's the best defender in the country. They have not one, not two, but three, six, eleven or higher players. Mama Michalashvili's not even played over the last ten or so games. I'm telling you, man, this team is legit. They're battle-tested. They can shoot the rock. I mean, they're getting guys. I mean, they're so deep, Ian. They have plenty of kids that have played big time minutes. Kale, Roden, Samuel, Obiagu. Uh, There's just kids. I mean, for days. I mean, they they kind of remind me of Florida State a little bit over the last couple of years with all the depth they have. Long. They they. I mean, the way they defend is impressive. I mean, they that game against Butler, they went down ten and a half. I remember I had them in the game, and in the second half, they just they stayed right in it hit some big shots late, and got out of there with a road win. It's not easy to go to Hinkle and win. I mean, uh, this team is real, man. I mean, they're talk about a team that in a weird year in college basketball, what are they, 50, 60 to 1? That's a nice price on Seton Hall. I think they're as good as anybody in the country right now. Uh, and I think we have to start giving this group a little respect. Uh, Ian, um, who's been cashing for you? What, what teams have been coming in? Who have you been fading? Uh, fading uh, or fading lately in uh, college basketball. Um, it, it's funny because when you look at it in the uh, ACC, uh, I personally think obviously we saw Virginia tonight get losing again. That's not a, not a bad fade option for the most part right now. I'll, I'll tell you a team I'm looking to back right now in the uh, in the Metro Atlantic. They had a really rough start. You know, I love my Metro Atlantic hoops. I got to bring that up. The Canisius Golden Griffins. They had a really really slow start in conference play, but they're off back to back very very impressive wins. This Canisius group. 
uh, after a slow start. They're a very uh, solid offensive team. And if you look at some of their losses, it's not been that they've played horrible basketball. You know, some of the peripherals have been there. It's not like they've been a team that's turned the ball over. They've played horrendous defense. They just went through some games where there were some ugly, ugly offensive shooting percentages that were finally going to start to you know, turn around a little bit, you know, reverse reversal to the mean, so to speak. We're starting to see that from Kinesis now. They've won back-to-back conference games uh, in the Metro Atlantic, and I think the slow start probably undervalued them. So there's a team that I've been riding the last week or so, back-to-back winners I had on that Kinesis team, uh, maybe a team to look uh, out for. I mean, I was on St. Peter's again uh, as an underdog. I mean, you just take St. Peter's plus the points in that conference. It's They're a really good, good play. They beat Quinnipiac on Saturday outright as an underdog. They were getting about six points in that game. They won outright, won it with yeah. ease. Uh, they're a very good defensive team. Again, you're not talking high-level basketball uh, in the Metro Atlantic, but to me, St. Peter's, especially catching points, and Canisius right now, there'd be teams I'd want to go for. Bet against right now is Iona. This type, Tim, this does not look like the same dominant Tim Cluse Iona team uh, in that conference. To me, uh, they look like they've got some issues right now. They, I mean, they've had a bad game against Marist of all teams uh, over the weekend. Uh, that's some really, really concerning stuff. They're not even close to the same offensive team this year, Iona. That's why they've played a lot of unders. They've struggled to be a point spread uh, team consistently that that will be a casher consistently. And it's because I think the talent level from this team, this team's had some pretty good offensive talent in years past. I think there's been a significant drop off with this year's group that he's got in terms of offensive basketball, and it's starting to show in their results. So, you know, the Metro Atlantic right now, a conference I really focus on. I'd look at St. Peter's and Canisius, good bet on teams. Iona, uh, bet against team. Uh, Tennessee. They're a bet against team, you know. I hey, think for me, uh, yes. Real quick with St. Peter's, uh, they are the number one team in the country as an underdog, eight and one this year, catching yep. points. Eighty-seven percent of their covers have been. I mean, as an underdog, have come in. They have been very good. Uh, real quick, while we're on this quick subject of underdogs, another team that that I'm starting to really like, and I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know how much of an underdog they're going to be. But this uh, this Bryant team out in the uh, NEC conference, they won again uh, uh, today, I believe. Uh, no, they lost today. I'm sorry, over the weekend to uh, to um, LIU Brooklyn. But th- they're an interesting team, Bryant. I've talked about that many times. But just kind of keep your eye on Bryant as an other. But what were you saying on Tennessee? Uh, Tennessee has been brutal as home favorites. Brutal. Uh, they have gone a very, very long time without covering in the home favorite role. Uh, uh, something about four or five street games at least at home uh, where they haven't covered in that point spread role. They've been bad at home in SEC play so far this season. I know they won on the road uh, over the weekend, the Vols, but I don't think this is as good a Vols team as we've seen certainly last year or two years ago under Rick Barnes. And they're welcoming in a struggling Ole Miss team. And I know Ole Miss has been disastrous ATS. Where are they? 0-6-1 against the spread the last seven but they've had some injuries to deal with. There's a chance they might be getting one, if not two, of their uh, injured players back for that game tomorrow night in Knoxville against Tennessee, and they're getting seven and a half, eight points right now. Tennessee's been brutal as home chalk. Uh, I'm definitely giving a long look to uh, Kermit Davis and his Ole Miss Rebels uh, on the road as underdogs tomorrow night. Yeah, you know, over the weekend, Ole Miss, I mean, if you got the number at four and a half or five, you covered. I know the closing line didn't get there. But, yeah, you know, you mentioned uh, players coming back. Uh, Brian Tyree was eligible. He was back uh, healthy for them over the weekend. He was uh, not feeling well. He had a little bit of a knock. But it looks like they're back to full health. Uh, you know, Bryce Williams played over the week. So looks like they're fully healthy. You're, you're on to something there. I like Tennessee. They've been kind of a team that I've had my interest in. But they continue to have turnover problems. So, yeah, that's a team that I have my eye on as well. A team that you want to look out for as well in the SEC, I think from a positive standpoint, is this uh, Mississippi State Bulldog group. Uh, they've covered three in a row. Uh, they're starting to find some success. You took about another team that had some issues. Um, you know, they just got Nick Witherspoon eligible to play. Tyson Carter's had his kind of share of struggles from the field, but he had 18 over the weekend. Reggie Perry and Robert Woodard are really good. Stewart's playing well. Otto is one of the best rebounders in the country. They're the number one offensive rebounding team you'll find. They are very good on the glass. Uh, They have Arkansas coming into Starkville on Wednesday. 
could be a spot for Arkansas to fade them. This Mississippi State team playing well. If Tyson Carter's playing well, they will play well. They're very deliberate. They're very slow. They play good defense. And they can hit some shots. Good offensive team. Going to beat you up on the boards. Keep your eye on Mississippi State uh, as well uh, to go along with uh, with, with you know, both Mississippi teams. I like your uh, call yeah. tomorrow on uh, Ole Miss as well. Yeah, we did the Mississippi two-step. My My favorite team, of course, this year so far in the SEC, and certainly from a betting standpoint, from a bet-on perspective, for me, it's, it hasn't even been close. It's been Alabama. Uh, I mean, what Nate, Nate Oates yeah, has done with that group, John Petty, Kara Lewis, uh, a great shooting team. They, they play frenetic, but they force turnovers. They've gotten so much better defensively. You know, early in the season, they really weren't great at the defensive end of the court. Nate Oates has gradually improved them defensively throughout the season. What they did against Auburn, although now you got to worry about Auburn a little bit. This is two games in a row now where offensively they've looked lost. I mean, they got completely suffocated by Alabama for their first loss, and then they turn around, they get drilled by Florida uh, on Saturday. So you got to worry about Auburn's offense a little bit. But nevertheless, don't I won't take that away from Alabama. They've improved defensively. They've been a point spread juggernaut all season long. But I think, you know, I, I, you're, I think if you're going to jump on Alabama now, you might be a little bit late to the party. Uh, I've had my fun with Alabama. I've had my profits with Alabama. I think that, and I was on them against Auburn last week. I think now that the, the, the secret's out now, they get that big marquee win, national TV, you knock off a top five Auburn team. You worry now that the point spread adjustment is going to come and you're not going to have that value game to game with Alabama that you could have had in you know November, December, and early January. So watch out for that. You know, Alabama's been great to me, but I just get the feeling the point spread tax is going to rise with them moving forward. Well, it ain't going to happen this week because Vanderbilt sucks. So it ain't going to happen against that group. But You know, it's um, funny. But, I actually would probably only play Alabama in that spot because you're right. Vanderbilt with a Neesmith out, that team has just because completely fallen apart, it looks like, especially you, offensively. Though, they missed that guy big time. That's probably a decent overplay, though. You're going to have great pace in that game. You just got to wonder, can Vandy make some shots? I mean, they have an exact – I mean, they've kind of had a rough go of it. I mean, you're, the first two games without Naismith, they played Tennessee and Arkansas. I mean, two pretty damn good defense teams. going to be a little softer uh, this week against uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide, who, look, are very good. And I had them against Auburn as well. But you've got to figure that, that this is a game that they can score some points in. Uh, Ian, let's take one more break. Uh, we'll come back. We'll kind of wrap the show up. We'll go for uh, maybe just a couple games tomorrow, and we'll, we'll talk about our final thoughts on some uh, college hoops as well. We'll take one more break. We'll be back with you right after this. You know, people ask me all the time, big men on campus, what's the best sports book? There's some good ones. There's some important ones. There's ones that I definitely use. But one of my favorites is betonline.ag. If you're a real sports better or someone that takes this seriously, you've got to be able to bet lines early. And BetOnline has the earliest in the business. You want to bet on the Super Bowl, they're going to have it first. You want to bet on March Madness, they're going to have it first. What about in the NBA Finals? They have it first. With an early ability to bet, you can get ahead of the line. And they have some other great features as well. You can bet with Bitcoin. You can deposit and withdraw easily. You can get paid out within 24 hours. They have higher limits. And they have a great poker, race, and sports book as well, obviously. Take it from me. Go check out betonline.ag. It's your money. Make sure it's in the right spot. BetOnline. Great customer service, great sports book, great experience. Go check out BetOnline now because you can. Fat Joe, when it comes to underrated 
guys, but I mean, his discography is wild. I mean, from a, I mean, I know he said a lot of hits and a lot of like candy ass tracks, but I mean, some of his track like Jealous Ones Still Envy, Loyalty, you know, uh, Don Cartagena. I mean, some of those albums were hard uh, back in the day. Uh, he didn't just put out just, you know, you know, club tracks. He was putting out some gutter gutter shit. Uh, and that was one of them. Uh, Ian, uh, before we let you go, I uh, want to ask you uh, about tomorrow's card. You mentioned um, Mississippi. Matter of fact, let's take a quick call here. This guy's been waiting. Uh, Matt, go ahead. What's up, guys? Great show thus far, man. It's, it's great uh, listening to you both. It's, it's really a dynamic duo. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love hearing the Seton Hall talk. You know, I was uh, I was at that Butler game in Hinkle, and you know, I immediately left that game after, and I placed a little future. Jeff, you, you really talked me in on Seton Hall. I've watched them now a few times, and man, oh man, I you know, I got twenty six to one. I'm seeing that it's now fourteen to one. So, um, really excited about that one. Holding that ticket. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, you know, they're starting to become more and more public. And and I think, as you said, you know, I got to tell you, I mean, you got a shitty price. 14 to 1, that's it? No, no, I got 26 to 1. It's it's 14 to 1 now. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I I got in before a little bit of uh, the public steam for sure. But, man, they really do check all the boxes. No, they do. I mean, they're. I, I again will, will ask anyone if you're kind of not there on Seton Hall, you know, tell me and you know, give me an issue you have with them because there really aren't any. I mean, I, I don't, I don't look at this team and see any flaws really. Uh, and by the way, if you want to go to Bet Online now, you can get them at twenty to one. Still, there's still very much uh, numbers out there and available. Uh, what else do you have, Matt? Um, yeah, I was. You were getting ready to touch on um, kind of the card tomorrow, and I just wanted to hear a couple of your guys' opinions. Um, just a couple that stuck out to me, you know, Florida and LSU seems like a pretty, pretty nice matchup there. What do you got? Ian? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you right now with uh, Florida LSU, um, I'm worried about the spot for Florida. Okay. That was a, that was almost like the, it's, I, I don't like betting on teams after they're coming off almost a perfect game. And for Florida it was a perfect game, offensively, perfect game, defensively, a team that were fired up to play at home against Auburn. Now you got to go on the road facing LSU uh, Tigers team that, you know, at the Maravich center uh, has been pretty damn good. Once again, this season, what are they? Nine and one straight up uh, at home. Uh, you know, you look at the way they played at home in uh, conference play, they beat Mississippi state, they beat Arkansas, two pretty solid teams teams they're in a price range where they pretty much just have to win the game in order to cover the number I don't trust Florida in this spot let's not forget Florida lost to Missouri on the road and got their teeth kicked in the last road game they played so they're more than capable of losing at LSU tomorrow I would only look to LSU uh, in that game I'd also look over the total in that game Florida's 0-5-0 to the over their last five road games they've picked it up offensively and LSU has really shot the ball well their last two games. 89, 80 points, 4 and a 1 to the over their last five. LSU and over for me in that game if I'm betting it. Yeah, if, if you can, yeah. I think if you can stomach it, I, and I and, and Matt, uh, thanks for the call, man. We appreciate it. If you can, and I got to disagree with you in here, I, I think if you can stomach it, I think you take a shot with Florida here, and I'll tell you why. This, and here's where, where I would take a shot. If this gets to three, I would take Florida because I agree. They played a really great game over the weekend. I mean, they were great defensively. They were just good on every level. But I got to tell you, LSU continues to skate by opponents. I mean, this is like the fourth game in a row that they've won by like four points or less. This team doesn't win by margin. And I think the slipper is going to fall off here very soon for LSU. I, I look at them every game that they win, and I wonder, you know, when, when are they going to finally lose? Because, you know, I, I, they haven't played particularly well in certain games. And, you know, at any rate, I mean, they beat Mississippi State by one. You know, they hadn't really kind of gotten going, Mississippi State, until recently. Texas A&M stinks. They go up 85 in that game. And then over the weekend, I mean, as you said, you don't miss to have their full complement of players. I, I think – LSU continues to skate by teams. I don't think it's going to be real easy tomorrow against Florida. I think Florida is finally starting to kind of put some things together here. You mentioned that loss to Missouri, but outside of that, uh, they've won, you know, I think five of six or six of seven. 
Um, they're they're a really fundamental group. I think they're finally starting to just kind of buy into Mike White's system. You know, Nemhard's playing well. Blackshear's playing at a high level. You know, Kerry Blackshear continues to remind me a lot of Al Horford. I, he he reminds me a lot of him uh, in certain ways he plays. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm going to see where this number goes. I, if this gets to three. I might take Florida. I think this is the game where they kind of go on the road. And I don't like road teams in conference. I've said that before, but this could be a decent spot. I don't love LSU's atmosphere. It's good. It's not great. It's not Florida's atmosphere, Alabama. Um, If this gets to three, I might take Florida. I love it. Agree to disagree. Nothing wrong with that. No, there isn't. Um, Ian, uh, we will let you go. I know, obviously, uh, we don't want to keep you on here forever. But uh, before we go, um, I know you're a big NHL guy. I know you like uh, the ice. Um, what are you uh, What are you looking at right now? I know the Flyers are playing well, aren't they? I, I think they are. Flyers have played well. As long as they've been at home, Jeff, they've played well. Uh, on the road, not so much. Uh, just before we go, I'll just uh, throw out tomorrow – a couple of things in the NHL. I might be looking at, if you want a nice underdog that could be live tomorrow in the NHL, look toward Winnipeg. All right, they're about plus 160 against Carolina. Uh, Carolina's playing pretty good. They're finding ways to win. They beat the Islanders. They beat Anaheim. First two games without probably, arguably, one of, if not their best defenseman, Dougie Hamilton, who's out indefinitely. Winnipeg's lost a couple in a row. They're struggling. But this is the final game before the All-Star break for both teams. I think Carolina might already be on all-star break mode with this game. Winnipeg, I think, is taking this game seriously. They need a W in the worst way going into the break to get some confidence back, get some momentum heading into the break. They played very well recently head-to-head against Carolina. I remember they played in Carolina once last year, and they drilled the Hurricanes. It's still a capable Winnipeg team, especially they're good offensively. Defensively, not so much, but they can still score. That's a live price, I think, tomorrow with Winnipeg uh, against Carolina in the NHL. One more I'm looking at in, in college basketball tomorrow uh, before we wrap it up. A couple, actually. I'm looking at Miami against Duke. I know it's a lot of points, uh, and I know Duke's lost two in a row. You worry that they wake up and they blow the doors off Miami, but Miami's a stingy team. They're ultra-competitive. They're, they're, they don't get blown out a whole lot, and there's something wrong with Duke these last couple of games. They haven't played well at all kind of lean into the 17 and a half with uh, Jimmy Laranega's team. And I know Villanova's dominated Butler, but this looks like the ultimate buy low. Let's bounce back spot for Butler. They have been dominated by Villanova. That is a concern recently in head to head meetings, but I'm still of the belief this Villanova team is okay. It's not great. I know Gillespie, I know Sadiq Bay, and I know they've played better lately, but they've faced a lot of cupcake opponents so far in the Big East. Butler's hungry. Butler's coming in here off back-to-back losses, smacked around by Seton Hall and DePaul. I think it's a good little situation here for Butler getting four and a half against Villanova. I think they're finally ready to challenge Villanova and maybe even beat them. I'm just not – Jay Wright's a hell of a coach, but I still don't think this is Villanova of the years past. We'll find out tomorrow. Yeah, if you like Butler, I'd get on that number now. That's not going to last till tomorrow, at least I don't think. And before I let you go, one other one I'll point out. Um, Purdue's going to fucking kill Illinois tomorrow. Put, mark, mark that one down. Well, this that's a huge revenge spot. Them. That's a huge revenge spot, too. Yeah, you remember what Illinois did at home against Purdue just a few weeks ago. It was an all-time line, ugly performance for them. Yeah, This line makes no sense at all. I mean, Illinois is playing really well. Everyone has recency bias, as you said, what they did to to, uh, to that group. They beat them sixty three thirty seven the other the other day, uh, a couple weeks ago. I mean, this is a a team Purdue that this is exactly like that Virginia spot they had December fourth. They had just lost to Florida State. You know, they they were kind of down in the dumps right at the end of November. They come back. And they couldn't miss that night against Virginia. This is a great spot for Purdue tomorrow. They're they're going to win by double digits. They're going to they're going to do tonight what I don't know. What, I don't think they're going to do what West Virginia did, but I think they're going to have a a really solid game here and coming out. I think they're going to beat up Illinois. Ian Cameron, great stuff, man. Uh, we'll talk to you next Monday. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, I, and I, I would I'm with you in that game. Uh, it would be Purdue or nothing. Purdue's got a little Maryland thing going. Uh, where they're 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 very capable at home. They're not so great on the road. And the whole conference has been that way, to be honest with you. It's been a home-dominated Big Ten this season. But good stuff, Jeff. Always good to be with you Monday night. Uh, have a great night. And everyone listening, uh, have a great night as well.
check out Ian on Twitter at Babano. He's got a lot going on. He's got the uh, the uh, the Ice Guys. He's got his own show on YouTube. He's got his um, his picks. You can email him about and, and get more information. Make sure you check it out. Ian Cameron, if you're new, you don't know who he is. I don't know what you've been waiting on, but go check him out on Twitter at Bobano, B-O-B-A-N-O. Thanks, Ian. All right, Jeff. Good night. Uh, we'll see. You. We'll talk to you again next Monday. All right, buddy. Take it easy. Yeah, Ian Cameron live from Canada. Thanks to him for giving us a call. Uh, but yeah, uh, that that's kind of one I like tomorrow. The Purdue Boilermakers. Uh, all right, that show. That's the show for tonight. Um, you know, hopefully uh, you all learned something. Hopefully you got something out of it. Tomorrow night we'll talk to Mike Randall from the Action Network and Screen the Screener. I uh, look forward to talking to him. Uh, as always, um, and talking to you as well. Make sure you join me. Tonight was episode 20 on the 20th. How about that? Uh, Tomorrow we'll do episode 21. Uh, We'll continue to get ready for the Super Bowl and keep delving into college basketball. Always trying to find nuggets on college hoops as we get closer and closer to March. I am the big man on campus. You can follow me on Twitter, at Jeff Nadeau. Uh, You can find me on my website, bmocwins.com. Had a winner tonight, had a uh, 3-0 and uh, Saturday in college hoops, have four of my last four, and nine of 13 overall. Make sure you check me out, bmocwins.com. You want picks, you want analysis, I got you covered. Check me out. I'm out of here. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.